Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in amongst you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only Saviour and Lord. Though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered the people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies reject authority and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the Archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to contend him, condemn him, but for slander, for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people slander whatever they do not understand, and the very things they do understand by instinct, as irrational animals do, will destroy them. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves, they are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness have been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness, and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and 
do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing sustained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of opening God's Word at Ridley. I have very fond memories of my time studying here, and I'm delighted to see Ridley College raising up women and men for gospel work, so crucial in our world. And I hope this morning, as we look at Jude, that we will be further encouraged to study hard and prepare ourselves as we seek to serve the Lord Jesus. Uh, Jude actually writes this letter to encourage his readers to contend for the gospel, an active word there, uh, to keep ourselves in the most holy faith uh, and to act mercifully towards those who are following false teachers, to lead them to truth. Uh, this, of course, can be quite difficult and it can be costly. And with this in mind, Jude ends his letter with these wonderful words of encouragement in the form of a doxology. In other words, words of praise to God. And so this morning, I want to draw our attention just to those last two verses. I've got a limited time. I've discovered it's only 22 minutes. I wish I'd known that earlier. Uh, you might wish I'd known that earlier as well. Uh, we'll do our best to keep to, to, to that time frame. Uh, these are only two verses, yes, but they are deep and they're filled with amazing and life-changing truths about God. Uh, deeply encouraging verses, uh, a bit like a magic, coffee a magic. Like it, it's small, it's a double ristretto, but it packs a punch. Those of you who drink coffee, you're nodding sagely. For those who don't, chat with somebody else, that will help you out. <laughs> we'll convert you at some point in your ministry. Uh, the way that doxologies are usually constructed is this. Uh, usually they describe an action firstly, that God has done or will do. And secondly, they then attribute to God uh, certain characteristics that account uh, or express his character in action. And that's what we have also in this doxology. The first part here is an astonishing reminder of God's commitment to us. Judy is trying to encourage people to contend but it starts, he says, actually, let, let me encourage you by saying, look, this is how God actually contends and looks after you. In verse 24, we read, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And let me draw uh, to your eyes three ways in which God contends for us just in that verse. Firstly, we see that God will keep you 
from stumbling. Keep you from stumbling. Uh, sometimes that's translated as will keep you from falling. You might know uh, a different translation uh, of, uh, of this verse. Uh, and that kind of stumble or fall refers primarily to a stumble or fall from which you cannot recover. When someone has a fall and they need assistance, that's what, that's what Judy is speaking about here. And it's particularly here the loss of somebody's salvation. They've fallen from grace. But we are promised here that God will guard us from that. Uh, that word keep to is not just a general idea of keeping. Like when our kids were younger, I would tell my wife, I'm keeping an eye on my kids while I'm watching television, while I'm watching the football. It's not that kind of keeping. It's an intentional word. When I was uh, before at college, I used to work for an insurance company and we used to work right near Sydney Airport. And one day, to our shock, these guys, they closed the road. We were not allowed to leave our building. And guys with guns were appearing uh, around our building. And, we, and it turned out the President of the United States had landed at the airport and they wanted to guard all the different points where someone could potentially assassinate. It's that kind of intentional guarding, like a secret service. That's the language that Jude uses. And so Jude's reminding us that God is actually guarding us as we seek to follow him. And the Psalms, for example, are full of wonderful pictures of God doing this. Psalm 91, verse 9. If you say, the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning to guard you in all your ways. It's a great and wonderful truth that, that if our trust is in the Lord Jesus, we cannot fail, we cannot fall, we cannot stumble. Not because we are great at, and full of strength and energy, no, because we are promised here that God himself, through the Lord Jesus, will guard us. In other words, what is crucial is not how big or strong your faith is, but who your faith is. Uh, a friend of mine, Tim, uh, who I studied with at Ridley, he's now the principal of the Bible College in South Australia, uh, he is terrified of flying. Absolutely hates it, but, but sometimes has to if he wants to go on a holiday or for work. And he would often require a certain amount of liquid courage to get on the plane and would still grip hold of the seats and, and be shaking as the plane took off. My dad is the opposite. Uh, back in the good old days, they would let children into the cockpit to have a look at, at, at flying. This is way back before September 11, right? And, and so there'd be all these six and eight-year-olds lined up, and my dad. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> he would offer to fly the plane and land it as well. Like, Dad, please, you're embarrassing. Tim had very little faith in aircraft. My dad perhaps had a little too much faith in his own flying ability. But they both got to the destination, right? In other words, both of them had faith in the plane and the pilots. One a little, one a lot. But it made no difference, does it? It's what or who your faith is in that we're going to See, when, you're, when you are studying, when you are in ministry, there are so many things that can avail you and undermine you and feel like you're failing or falling or stumbling. We wrestle with mental health and anxiety. There might be financial challenges. There might be family issues. 
exams and assignments. Might be sickness. Might be sin and guilt and shame. And what we're being reminded here in Hood is that none of those things will be the reason you fall. For Christ is stronger than all those things. As Paul says in Romans 8, he's convinced that nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God. He gives a great list. Then he says, look, even anything else, if I've missed anything else, he says, and even those things will not separate God's love will go to you. Will not that is no small thing. And as you study for ministry and when you're involved in ministry, you will need to, to, to lean into that guarding more and more, not less and less. That's the one thing you learn in ministry is just how much more you need God's grace to persevere. Uh, secondly, we see God will present us before his judgment without fault. This is quite extraordinary, actually. Uh, we don't enter God's presence by sneaking in the back door, kind of through the stage entrance where no one notices. No, we are presented before the glorious throne of God himself. And this is, this is extraordinary shocking when we look at see, when people try to do this throughout the scriptures. There are a number of times where people seek to come into God's glorious presence. Uh, for example, Exodus 33, Moses asks to see God in all his glorious presence. That's a pretty bold thing. Uh, God says, uh, well, uh, if you do this, the cost is you'll die. Why? Because sinful humanity cannot come into the presence of a glorious God without death. And so Moses is hidden in a rock and God covers him with his hand and Moses just sees the smallest glimpse of his, of his train on the back of God, not even his face, and he's shocked at the smallest glimpse. And in Revelation, uh, John, who's one of Jesus' dearest friends, sees Jesus in all his glory. And what does he say? Jesus, so lovely to see you. We have so much to catch up on about a coffee. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Dead. No one can stand in the presence of God and live. Throughout scripture, everyone falls down as if dead. You cannot stand in God's presence. Yet, we are told here that God will present us before his glorious presence. That, that word to present actually literally means to cause to stand. You'll be caused to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Not hidden in a rock, not fallen down as though dead, but stand. How on earth can this happen? Are you more impressive than Moses? Do you have a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus than John? How on earth can Jude make this promise? And it can only happen because of this, because we are without fault. Uh, by the way, without fault is a, a phrase from the Old Testament referring back to the sacrificial system. Uh, it was animals that were to be sacrificed without fault or blemish. That's the language that Jude is invoking here. And Jude's reminding us that we can come towards God and stand in his presence, stand only because we are spiritually blameless and perfect. 
And that's an amazing fact. Because the longer you live as a Christian, the more you realize how on my own standing, I fall short. And my own blemishes, the list gets longer. You become more and more aware of your defects. And I, by the way, I'm getting older and older. I'm now 30, 19. Uh, it's, it's quite an age. And I'm far more aware now of my failings and sins than I was in my 20s. In fact, as part of being a Christian, as you mature, as the Spirit does its work in your life, yes, you, you, there's sanctification. You, do, you put to death sins. But you realize, oh my goodness, I had so much more than I realized. And so much further back. As John Newton, the, the author of uh, Amazing Grace, said, when I was young, I knew many things. Now that I'm old, I know that he is a great saviour and I'm a great saviour. And again and again we see in Scripture that core celebration of the gospel's power to save. That means that you and I will stand in God's presence. Thirdly, notice too that God will present us with great joy. Jude keeps building on this picture. It keeps coming better and better and better. It's not as if God says, well, I guess technically I've got to let you in. I guess Jesus died for you. Okay, come on in. Just behave yourself. Right? No more naughtiness. No. We don't sneak in the back door. Bold we approach the eternal throne, as we sing, right? And claim the crown through Christ. Um, and God's response, by the way, is joy. Not sternness. It's joy. And not an understated, polite joy. You know the kind of, oh yes, very, very exciting. The kind of English joy where it, it sounds like it's not really joy, but the, the English person is sort of polite. You know? God is actually embarrassingly exuberant, uh, exuberant in this language. It's the same word, that joy there, that when John the Baptist, as an infant inside his mum, hears the, the message that the Saviour is coming, that he leaps for joy, it's the same word. It's the image of the father in the story of the prodigal son. It's, it's that joy, embarrassing joy. I have some friends of ours who uh, got married, and um, do you know when, when couples are sickly in love, they do stuff that's just like, it's just awkward, right? Like they love each other, but the rest of you've got to put up with it. And he, he had written this love song and dance, which he performed with a flute. <laughs> in the service. Right? I know, right? Sickening. Sickening. And so they did the vows, and then uh, my mate, my mate uh, John, he got the flute out and did a joyful dance with the flute around his bride. <laughs> it's sickening, I understand. But what was not in doubt, other than the sickness, was he loved her, right? Embarrassing and you know when someone loves you if they write a song about it. Right? That's, that's one of the big things. Let me read to you from Zephaniah 3. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He's the one who does the embarrassing dance at the wedding. That, that is the astonishing nature of God's love. He sings with joy over 
you, you've got a song written for you. Yet Taylor Swift is part of the universe. It, it's, it's that proudness, that joy of our heavenly So when you appear before God's glorious presence, not only will you stand, which is extreme, God will shout and celebrate with you. That's what, that's what Jesus Christ says. That's just the first verse. Right? You can see why this has taken a while. Let's look down at verse 25. Where we see more from God's actions to God's attributes as Jews moves through this doctrine. And the purpose of this is that we may reflect upon this one who keeps us from falling, and this one who presents us before his glorious presence, and the one who rejoices over us. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. It's hard not to say amen, isn't it? First phrase, to the only God, our Saviour. See what Jude is reminding us here? There's, there's only one true, sovereign Lord Almighty, and there's only one Saviour. He is the one who has rescued us from an empty way of life that leads to death, to a place where we can stand before him as, as our heavenly Father. Indeed, this recognises the great truths these two truths, that he is both God and Saviour. Saviour and Lord. The one whom has rescued us and the one whom we are. Then Jude moves to these phrases, to glory and majesty and power and authority. And Jude uses these words because he's trying to build a picture of God's, for want of a better term, his godness. How do you describe God in his godness? It's impossible. You've got to use so many words and say he's, he's trying to capture some elements of the ex extraordinary godness of God. Glory is, your good students try to provide the heaviness of God, the weightiness of God, the, the, the complete otherness of God, the thing that separates him from creation. In fact, if you read through the Old Testament, the one thing that's often ascribed to God is the fact that he's the creator so he's on, there's creation and then there's God. That's the kind of dividing line. That, that's the thing that gives him his glory. And in response to that, the psalmist will then praise him. It's what Augustine calls brilliant celebrity with praise. Majesty. Literally, his astonishing hugeness. Vastness beyond our comprehension. It's where we get the word mega from, for you Greek scholars out there. Um, in other words, God is not the biggest thing in a universe. That's a, what's called a category error. Um, he's beyond the universe. This is the kind of some atheist arguments. Well, you know, God, he's not a complete. It's like saying, here's a picture. But the, the artist isn't in the picture. Yes. <laughs> it's a different category. And power, his mighty strength, not just in creating this world, but sustaining it moment by moment and indeed redeeming it. And authority, Jude's bringing to our attention his authority, not just to rule, but indeed to judge, to determine right from wrong, where every knee will bow in his presence. And we see that it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
He's offering this praise through Jesus Christ. And what Jude does is, is he is reminding us that we actually can't know anything about God. It's only through our Lord Jesus Christ that we are kept and presented before this glorious throne of God. And finally, we read that our astonishing God sits outside of time and space, or space-time if you're into uh, physics. In other words, it's, it's beyond our comprehension before all ages and now and forevermore. Don't underestimate the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in keeping you from stumbling or falling. Christ's saving power was at work before all ages. Before the creation of time, which is a hard thing to kind of get your head around, right? It's at work now. As you study, as you wrestle with your languages and your exams and your assignments, and you rejoice in your wonderful lecturers, all those things, right? God's salvation is at work now and forevermore. It's his work from the beginning to end. There is no point in salvation history that is not under the rule of our Lord Jesus Christ. He never rests from his saving work. He, he pulls the almighter. You guys ever done that where you've got an exam or an essay and you, you have to study all night or work all night? This is a kind of, don't nod now because he kind of, that's really organized. I had a friend of mine, he did his assignments done two weeks before him. Yeah, they're horrible. I just feel so intense. Anyway, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a lovely guy as well. So I'm sorry, I'm not tired. Um, I decided I was generally good at getting my essays in at the time. And we had to physically hand them in too, because the internet was just before all the time at that point, before the internet. Uh, and so you would have to pull an all nighter get, to get it in by the 10 a.m. deadline. And I generally was good, but I thought, I'm going to try an all nighter just to see what it's like. It's horrible. Because you're exhausted. But we're told here that God actually pulls an all-nighter each night. No, it's, he doesn't rest or slumber from his saving work. Uh, psalm 121 is such a beautiful psalm which captures this. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither sleep nor slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade of your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil, keep your life. The Lord will keep you from your going out and from your coming in from this time forth and forever. So the reality is there is nothing in all of creation or time space that can stop God's saving. You cannot fall from grace because it is Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, keep yourselves in Christ's love as you study and in your ministry. It will be the thing that keeps you going. In fact, it will be the only thing that you will need to because It's the only thing that is before all time, now and forever. So let me pray that we will take these words to heart as we prepare for ministry and in our ministry for this great Our gracious God, to you who is able to keep us from falling and to make us stand without blemish in the presence of your glory with rejoicing, to you, the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, 
in power and authority before all ages, now and forevermore. 